Alright everybody, it's finally happened. The Metal Hand of God podcast has finally got an online merch store. It's located at tpublic.com. That's right, tpublic, T-E-E, public.com. Go there, to their website, type in M-H-O-G, and a variety of art designs will pop up where you can put them on t-shirts, tank tops, hoodies, Pandemic masks. That's right. We also have pandemic masks. The new fashion accessory for the year 2020 into 2021. We have wall art, notebooks, mugs, pillows, pins, you name it. Hey, you want stickers? Magnets? How about a phone case? That's right. You can get an MHOG phone case just by going to tpublic.com. A variety of sizes and colors, and the quality is hands down the best you're gonna find that's right mhog merch store at tpublic.com you're part of the family might as well really be part of the family and grab yourself an mhogt at tpublic.com thanks for listening to the mhog podcast and for all your support through the years We want to see those t-shirts outside, so go to TeePublic, order your MHOG merch today. TeePublic.com to the Metal Hand of God podcast. I am your host, Wayne, and with me, SD1, the only... I guess that's me. I'm the rum guy. <laughs> yes, you are the one and only. And today, we have a very special guest, comedian, actor, John Marco Soresi. Buongiorno. Hello. Ah, I did it, co- I did it correct, right? It sounds beautiful, yeah. You know what? You were the first <laughs> person on this show... That I didn't fuck up his name. Yes. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> no, it's amazing. He he can screw up Bob Smith. It's just it's awful. It's true. I mean, it was he had his musical idol on here one time and he screwed <laughs> his own name up. So it was just crazy. Yeah, it was great. Good times. Yeah. Yeah. Real, real good to feel. But anyway, man, uh, let everybody know out there. You know, I already told them that you're a comedian and stuff. Well, what what kind of stuff you got going on and what what you've been up to and all that good stuff. Oh boy, well. I was uh I was about to tour the country uh, <laughs> weeks before coronavirus. What stopped you? <laughs> I know it was like, but it was like I was April. It was last April was supposed to be like a big month. I had four 
headlining weekends on the road for the first time in my life. I bought all this merch and I was ready to go. So uh, that's what I was going to do. And then, like many stand-up comics, I, 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 I pivoted to Zoom. I did a lot of outdoor shows um, in New York City and Central Park and Brooklyn. And uh, ended up filming an outdoor special, thankfully, before the city pretty much shut back down again. Yay! I saw some amazing video of you in the back of a pickup truck. So, yeah, that was, <laughs> that was the first show back, uh, Stand Up New York which which really like i think they were the first comedy club that tried something uh they did an outdoor show it was on someone's truck bed in the middle of the street in front of the club uh, it happened to coincide pretty squarely with uh uh the george floyd marches the black lives matter marches so oh, like, good it was like truly truly the worst possible timing <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all of us had not I don't think anyone had done stand up up to that point and um and people uh, were talking about how like they they're like it's going to feel like you lost 2 years of practice and I I went on the truck I thought I was going to be good I had done a lot of Zoom shows I'd written a lot of new material on Zoom I think my first joke bombed uh, uh, and it had worked on Zoom, so I was like in a state of shock. <laughs> and then the cops came over, and I guess uh, they had time in their day to shut down the outdoor comedy show. And I was just so rusty; I didn't know how to like riff with the cops being there. I was super <laughs> awkward, and uh, they shut down the show before I got oh. to my second punchline. Well, oh that, my god! Well, that sucks. But but it do, but it does put up for a really good story. Uh yeah yeah and no, we we put it in the special the special uh the it's on Amazon it's called Shelf Life and we have a little kind of documentary in the first part of it about doing uh, stand up during a <laughs> pandemic and luckily someone was filming as the cops approached the truck and it you know really taught me to really tighten my setups as much as I can. Because who knows when the cops are going to come. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's trying to bust up the comedy show. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this. This isn't the first. I mean, we've had different pandemics across the centuries and stuff. But, I mean, this, I mean, I'm going back to the, what was it, the 1918 one? Uh, yeah. Do you think, you think it was the same problem back then for comics back in 1918? Do you, do you think, okay. it, I mean, what were the jokes like back then, you think? I mean, for a pandemic. I I I wonder. I mean, like I say, whenever I have an older audience member, uh, I'll say, "Oh, congrats to you on surviving the 1918 flu." So, <laughs> I, you know, I wonder if uh, uh, back in 1918 they were like, "Oh, congrats to you on surviving the Black Plague." Uh, well, would have been a good punchline. Yeah, it was very. It was a little bit more. I don't know if you even called stand up back then. It was more more of a more of a vaudeville feel i guess back then it would have been yeah i wonder if they had outdoor performances um <laughs> i mean i can't even imagine what that that must have been like because it's you know like so much of the pandemic has been really a uh, heavy interaction with social media yeah and yes. so i just can't imagine like experiencing a pandemic like 
in newspaper by newspaper. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You know what it is? There's a guy, and they're, like, screaming back and forth through the house windows, you know, like, hey, did you see that guy on the corner? He just died. Yeah, that was crazy. The really slow guy from the village just to run back and forth between the villages to pass the news along. Probably. Yeah, that's what it is. And probably passing the flu while he's at it. Exactly, exactly. exactly. I just feel like you wouldn't know. You must know how a lot slower, like how bad it is. Like, there's no way they're getting national body counts every single day. <laughs> right. Well, so I, I feel like three years later, you're like, oh my god, our our whole extended family is dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, it, it, think about it like this. All right, I guarantee you, they were a lot more calm than we are now because now we get those body counts we get you know like everything's in our face so it just causes that feeding frenzy on panic on on everything and and then back then they were probably like oh yeah fuck it that dude died that's okay nothing's going on love you too buddy my my kid just screamed and he loved me um and i'm that's so cute he's five Oh, that's adorable. Yeah, he, he he likes to be on the podcast too. He comes in and he sticks his nose in here every once in a while. Yeah, but you you know your your kid yelled I love you, but he he's been proven to be a liar. Right, he's going to try to murder me in my sleep later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is like now, you know, with the with the invention of social media and stuff, we get all that stuff like basically real time. Like, oh my god, 65 million people just died and we just watched it on on sure. somebody's cell phone video and we also get the worst stories like it's very hard to distinguish and i'm not i'm certainly not uh attempting to undermine coronavirus right but you know like if there's one 22 year old who was a marathon runner who (laughs) when he got covid his lungs exploded right like we all hear that story it's like we're all hearing the you know the web md yeah worst scenario for everything and it's very hard to distinguish kind of what is like reacting appropriately and what's just being uh, you know just uh, insane well uh, I, and I, back then i'm sure it was just you know you never heard about the 22 year old who died so you're like i'm fine well but, but yeah. on top of that they probably were all 22 at the time of death yeah <laughs> 22 was middle-aged i think then like, that was a life well lived back then <laughs> yeah yeah exactly well how, how has how has all this uh, uh i know you it's kind of put a, a kibosh on, on your year with everything but you seem to have been very busy you've been keeping active i mean uh you're you're definitely were active well before the the coronavirus happened i mean uh but i saw a little blurb what was it that you were uh you did a a, a thing in uh, in the movie hustlers Yes. So, yes, yeah, so I'm an actor, too, uh, occasionally when they'll have me. So, I mean, I, I was I mean, I was just but I was busy in stand up in a way that like it just doesn't compare now. I mean, in, in the heyday, uh, I'd be three or four shows shows a night. Yeah. Uh, mm. On average. And uh, even when the outdoor stuff like I mean, me and, and a bunch of other comedians, we were hustling to get spots, but it was still a fraction Um for the summertime, I mean, I probably did, I don't know, 20%, probably 10% of the shows I normally would have done. Um, and now that it's winter, it's just, it's a fucking nightmare. I'm doing an outdoor <laughs> heated show, outdoor heated. And I, was, I didn't mean I put bunny ears on heated. I, li- I like, like that. We're, we're doing all these outdoor shows in tents. And at a certain point, the, the tent walls are so thick, you're like, hmm. I'm pretty sure this is indoors. Uh, 
I did I did this it was billed as a rooftop show and I swear to God maybe it was the top floor of the building and maybe all the walls were glass but it was inside <laughs> there's a lot of places they'll open a window and they're like now we're outside yeah uh, oh man <laughs> you know well, it's... when you're in New York I mean that's kind of the way it is right there's not a lot of good outside space except maybe a few parks. They built some, but now it's so cold. I did one that was a true outdoor show with heat lamps, and it is fucking freezing. It, it sucks, I bet. <laughs> well, we're doing it. What, I would do it. I would still do it. What What's the temperature out there, man? You know, it's it has not been a bad winter, I will say. Uh, I, I'm sure it's because of terrible environmental reasons, but the weather at the moment is 45 uh, 39 degrees oh that's not bad that's not no. bad at all you know i mean who wants to you know who wouldn't want to stand outside in 39 degree weather in new york with possible ice and snow forming overnight with the wind chill dropping down to 22 you believe me it'll be i'm sure late february maybe early march people will start the outdoor shows back in earnest i mean they were doing shows on on a train um i did one of those that was pretty that was pretty humiliating um we'll do it anyway <laughs> but i mean is it uh has this been uh i mean I, I i you have a lot of acting credits like you said i mean you 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 do you prefer to be acting over doing a stage show stand-up or how do you like it i mean what is what is your preference i started as an actor so i went to college for musical theater and they kind of they sucked the joy out of that for me and then i was <laughs> acting and I always liked comedy. I, I always like uh, was comedically inclined, and I really started stand up like four and a half, five years ago. Um, and I just fell in love with it. I saw for me, stand up very much feels like my passion, the thing I want to do forever. Um, I still like acting, but I, I remember when I when I like thought I was going to be Daniel Day Lewis, and I, I wanted that. You know, it's, mm. it's, and then like part of it is just the industry of acting is so, so dreadful. There's such little autonomy. Like uh, uh, with stand up, even if you don't become super successful, you can kind of work on the thing you want to work on and talk about the things you want to talk about. Right. And acting, you're very much uh, until you're at an insane level. And even then, you're really a, a, a victim of, of the industry. And, um, I, I hope to do more acting, but I really want to be a great stand-up, and I, I think the feedback loop of stand-up is kind of what I crave emotionally, where I like to write something new, test it out right away, edit based on those that testing process, um, and so I love it. I'm very much I, I miss it terribly, <laughs> and uh, it's a tough life. I think that's why I didn't do it sooner. I never thought of myself as someone who, who got back at two in the morning. Yeah. Um, I don't like crowds per se, uh, uh, but once you get hooked, once you get hooked, you just, uh, I, I, I miss it, it so much. It's kind of like being a musician too, because uh, me and Rum have both been in bands and man, when you get on that stage and you feel the feedback from the crowd and it, it's not an easy thing to do. People are like, oh, it's great when you get up there and you, you know, it's easy. You guys get up there and play and hang out. Like, no, fuck no, it ain't easy. You try getting out of there at, you know, X amount of time. You've been up there for, you, you got to get the show for six. The show don't start till 10. You, you don't get out of there till four. Then you got to go to work at six. It's not fun. <laughs> but, yeah. but, 
when you have that feel and and you have a, a the crowd in front of you and and the response is incredible it's just like man it's nothing nothing else in the world feels like that yeah it really is a you know i i get depressed from time to time or cranky and you have a good set and you just like i mean it's like a drug i mean yeah. you just feel much better in that moment you get a high uh when you bomb it can be pretty brutal and uh, yeah. I, I work this club lol in in new york and it, it's a rough it's a rough and tumble club a lot of tourists barked in moments before uh people who didn't know they were going to see a comedy show that night that show those and, kind uh, of shows are fun yeah and like they they can be amazing you can have a blast you, you gotta like fight for it but but oftentimes i would be there and i would do four shows there a night and the last one would be the 1 a.m show and wow. so sometimes you'd always like leave, you'd feel great at the beginning of the night and then you'd always end on like the worst show <laughs> of your nightmares <laughs> for four people and leave just feeling like utter shit. It's like uh, everything you say, no one laughs. You just look at you like, what is this dude doing? Yeah. Well, how, yeah. how long actually have you been doing since you started off with, with uh, another career path? How long have you been doing uh, the comedy circuit? I would say it's like four to five years. Four to um, five years. Yeah. Have and you then seen like, a you know, major trans? Have you seen like a big change in that period of time for how things are going in in the the field of comedy? For me personally. Yes. Totally. I mean, first, like getting better wise. Even if even if there's times I don't feel like I'm improving, I I, I was looking through old clips today. Because, you know, to, to post stuff on social media. And if I look at myself from two years ago, it's I can't even watch it. It's so unbearable. I feel like <laughs> that's such a, like, he's a fucking pile of garbage. Uh, <laughs> everything. And that's a good sign. I think that's a good sign. I'm sure at some point it will even out. I hope there's a point where I, I don't look back a year ago and go, like, wow, he's the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, but, but yeah, the, the thing about stand-up, I, I feel... Uh, luckily the acting work afforded me the opportunities to really commit time-wise to it but you can't speed up relationships and stand-up is very much about interpersonal relationships um even if i had some crazy kind of uh you, you i and let's say i was on a tv show and i suddenly got a million instagram followers i would i might be able to tour some clubs that are going to make money off me but i wouldn't be able to go up at the comedy cellar just off that you have to gain respect sure right your peers and uh you know as much as dave Dave chappelle is as respected by comedians as i would say uh dave attell or colin quinn or there there are comedians who don't necessarily have the monetary success who are respected by their peers and known as incredible writers right and in the the converse where like there's super famous comedians that started sucking eventually and they've lost the respect of, of the real comics. They might not say it to their face, but they can feel it. <laughs> and uh, I, I, you know, in a, in a, in a meaningless random universe, uh, I do think it's nice to, to feel like there's some kind of meritocracy amongst your peers that you can gain respect by working hard. Yeah. We, so, um, one of our uh, cast members and uh, host of the show and every once in a while he'll pop on and, and uh, he, lived here for forever and then um decided that he was going to go to LA because he was he was a stand-up 
So he was going to go to like we did. He did stand up here. We do we book stand up shows like the podcast. Awesome. Actually, we put up we put on shows whenever we can at venues. That but the problem with our shows is that there are actually no comedy clubs in this city, and yeah. it we have to use music clubs. So you know it's kind of hard when you're using a music club and there's like everybody comes in they just don't want to they're not really paying attention to a comedy show they think they want to do it at first but then they're kind of like eh, let's go back to drinking and look at the bar but but anyway well kyle he was uh he he wanted to go to la and uh try it you know give it a fucking shot and he was out there for uh, about about a year year. and uh man he said it's a whole nother beast out there dude he said it's ridiculous he said you gotta fight to get two minutes on a stage and he said it's really hard um but you know he did it he now he lives in houston he's still trying to he's still you know trying to uh keep his career up but with covid like you he's like he can't do any shows it's like it's impossible right now so he's just kind of working his uh, electrical job that he normally does i would assume it's a very doggy dog type of type of uh gig at times for sure i'm sure yeah yeah it's it's hard i don't see there's i don't think there's too much like backstabbing per se but like when i talk to my comedian friends and we kind of vent i think we all understand that we're really looking out for ourselves yeah and Mm -hmm. um that's why you know you know you hope you find you hope you find comedians who are further along who uh want to lend you a hand and it, it happens now and then it's it's not often but you find an older comic who who wants to tell the comedy seller to give you an audition or to have you open for them on the road. Um, but it is it is brutal. Like there we lost two clubs in the pandemic. But even with all the clubs we had, it's still not enough. There's there's so many comedians in New York City. Really? And a lot of clubs. Sometimes you get in a club and you become one of their favorites. And that's fantastic. But if you're not, or if the booker just saw you once when you started too early, <laughs> it feels like a truly an impossible feat to get into that club. And um, it's brutal. At, at least in New York, I think we have so many shows compared to L.A. where there is much less. You can't really do four shows in a night travel-wise in L.A. Right, sure. Um, and I, it's, I've been very lucky when I go to L.A. I've only been like, twice as a comic or three times and i'm like the visiting new yorker i have a couple of new york friends who moved out there um and luckily i just you know again being in five years i know a couple people out there who are willing to lend me a hand but i know if i went to la you know after being there a month prior all that goodwill would be gone (laughs) asking for stage time yeah and like i said he just you know i don't i don't know like the um the the comedy aspect or how how that works as in you know because i've never done stand-up at all so i've never you know i can't say you know i i understand exactly what you guys go through by waiting in line for two you know that's that's an odd thing for me, you know, because being in a band, you're scheduled. Okay, look, you booked a show, so you're scheduled for this slot of time, and you got this much. So we already know what we're going to do. As in I mean, other he was guys, into problems with uh, what was it, Wayne? He was saying the, the one the one club he went to, they uh, uh, he had he had to actually pay for stage time. Yeah, and then and then it would be like you get like five minutes or something along those lines, and it was like at two in the morning, you know, where nobody was there. <laughs> 
But it, it, it's tough. I mean, it, it's a tough gig. And honestly, I, I applaud anybody who gets on stage as a comedian because as a person that was in a band, there's a big difference between me being on stage with four other guys and then you being on there with just a microphone and yourself. Because yeah. that's tough. If you're I mean, trying how to... do you create your world? I mean, I mean, you're, I'm talking about like you've got to have a whole process of – I mean, I know you said you had to test you, you test out different material and things like that, but your creative process. I've I've heard some of your stuff and it's amazing. Actually, yeah, it's really tonight funny. after this, I've got uh I've got some um six feet distance friends over and uh, we're all gonna watch uh, your special on Amazon. Oh, that's really nice of you. I appreciate it. So we're all, we're very excited to see it, but because uh, we were cracking up on just some of the stuff we saw on YouTube right. and everything. It was like this is awesome. But I mean your your process, is it is is do you, do you, do you come from mainly a lot of um, uh, would you say life experiences or, or or do you do you, are you a scenario guy do you do you create scenarios or how how is your process? It's all over. Like I think I think like because I started as an actor, I like I, I the first thing I ever wrote was plays. So I I, I really can sit down and like write out ideas. Um, and I, I think I just try to go through life, wait till I feel that what the fuck moment with, about something in life. Sure. And I sit down and I try to like make that connection. And um, <clears throat> in the beginning, it was it was a lot about like, all right, my parents got divorced when I was uh, a baby. So let's sure. write those jokes. I went to college for musical theater. Let's write those jokes. And um, once you get those kind of baseline material out of the way of who I am, I just kind of listen to the news and, and whenever I get stoned, particularly, I find <laughs> sure. myself like very, uh, those ideas just come up. And I think the, the, the real thing is you write down the idea uh, that you thought was funny in that moment. And if it really was, you can find, it's, it's like, I don't really understand how Bitcoin works, but I always love the process of like you mine <laughs> until you find the thing. And so each like time I find something funny in, in my thoughts, I feel like there's a gem somewhere in there. And my job is to kind of, I put it up in a Word document. I try to find it. I test it, fine tune, fine tune. Um, but I'm kind of still, you know, even five years in, I feel like I like a lot of different styles. I like absurdist one-liners, uh, <laughs> uh, a la Anthony Jeselnik, or yes. I'll listen to a Rodney Dangerfield any day. I find it very enjoyable. Yes. Um, it's like listening to like perfect math equations that really right. just pop. Um, and then I like, you know, the rants and uh, whatever I, I, I find upsetting in the world, just going on a nice, nice little yelly rant. Uh, when I, I was into acting, I think part of it was just so I could yell and curse on stage <laughs> and, and be applauded for it as opposed to you know, being arrested. Right. <laughs> I absolutely love your delivery on stuff, though, for what I've seen is absolutely hysterical to me. And I think a lot of that uh, delivery uh, is very key. I mean, you oh, know, yeah, a lot 100%. of people can, quote unquote, tell a joke. But it's all on how you do it and the delivery and, and, and the emotion you put behind it, I think. And, and you you nail it every time. And that's why we're really kind of excited to watch your special tonight because it's, I appreciate it. it's I very, it's very like, cool. That was the, the, I think the acting background helped. I think in the beginning, the acting background hurt a little because I could like, you know, I could sell any I could sell it even if sure. it wasn't a great joke. And like. One of the reasons uh, comedians like an Anthony Jeselnik or um, 
oh, it'll come to me. That guy. A, a, or Adina Hashem, who's also really good. Some of these like super low energy comics. Yeah. Uh, their writing has to be perfect. And I think the goal, if you have that energy or that acting side, you have to just always fight yourself to be like, is it really good, though? Is the written word good? Right. Right. And, and that's what that's why I write so much, because I think I'm just trying to get that to the level where they're they're equal. Well, I'm going to I'm going to ask you a, um, a, a cliche question, I guess, as, as, as I want to know who 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 is your like, um, I guess, influences, I guess, towards comedy like name some of the guys that you really admire you know what i'm saying like the the old school comics or you know yeah those kind of guys i mean like i think like in my dna uh whether whether you can see the influences or not like i grew up on seinfeld um i i like many men my age dane cook was like my intro to stand up nice um, sure as was Chappelle. I mean, I, I probably listened to "Killing Them Softly" so many times. Man, that that is great. Just a perfect, God, perfect special. Uh, and and then yeah, I, I would say like, as I like really started getting into stand up, John Mulaney was of course a huge nice. one. Um, I I really like fell in love with Anthony Jeselnik, and it made me. It, it, it was kind of the the gateway into the kind of more one-liner stuff that I came to admire and really enjoy listening to. Because I, I like to listen more than I like to watch. Right. Um, and so I really just love sitting back and, and uh, you know, th I guess this is probably not good to admit, but I, I listened to uh, old Woody Allen recently because I was curious. Sure. Um, no. I listen. You know, I listen to them all. I I, I don't listen to be progressive, um, and uh, his writing—it's just so tight. Yo, yeah, yeah. You hear it, and it's it's that you know that's what I, I the charisma I think that or like the energy and all that stuff because that's what I do more naturally. I admire the thing that comes harder. I think right, um, and so I would say like. You know, I have to be careful not to listen to too much Mulaney, uh, or else I, I start mimicking him. I've I like I've done an impression for him at a couple an impression of him at a couple things, but I can slide into that voice a little too easily. Yeah. Um, and then if I listen to Jesselnik too much, I start suddenly I start talking real slow on stage. <laughs> and I uh, I mean I, I can, it just it happens it bleeds in. Um, and then now that you, you get older, I, I start having a lot more people who are either contemporaries or like a little bit older than me. There's a comedian named Renan Hirschberg, who I just find incredible. Um, uh, I, I think Michael Che is fantastic. I hope I want I want to record more. Joe Mackey, uh, uh, just to get make sure we, we get some women in there. Uh, Maria Bamford <laughs> is phenomenal. I think Sam Jay is pretty tremendous. Uh, her last special had a bit on, on Greta Thunberg that was so funny. Um, or, yes, yeah, you start to, I admire, like, the one-liners, the really tight, and then you start admiring ideas. Yeah. And uh, sadly, uh, uh, or however one wants to feel, you can't deny, I can't pretend that Louis C.K. wasn't uh, uh, one of the, one of the, when I really got into stand-up, that's the guy I listened to the most. Well, you know, yeah. you know, this is the thing, man, is you can't like, uh, all right, you can't really fault. Your... 
every time a man has to talk about Louis C.K., they have to start with like, I, I, oh, okay, <laughs> no. all, right. all right, okay, okay, so, but. No, that's not what I was going to say. I was just saying, because you mentioned him, and then you mentioned, you know, about Woody Allen and stuff like that, and I'm going, it's okay to like what they did, guys. I mean, it, they were fucking funny. Then you don't have to, you know, yeah, they were fucking perverts, but whatever, you know, that's, that's what they did in their personal lives or whatever. Their comedy is hysterical. You know, I mean, I can still listen and respect what they did for the comedy world other than pay attention to what they did to yeah, the comedy and, world. And it's, it's weird because the, the, the world in, in its, I don't know, it's, it's a view thing, I guess, has changed in the way what you're supposed to like or you shouldn't like this. or the, I, I always get kind of upset about that to a point because I think it's, it's not about what I should or shouldn't do. It should be, how does that art, how did their art make me feel? Right. How did their words make me feel? You know, did I get an emotion from it? Then what they did was great. I'm sure there is, and I, I, I use this, and sometimes it gets piss, people pissed off, and I don't mean to piss people off. Don't get me wrong when I say this, but I, do. I respect anybody in the military. Absolutely. But I can guarantee you there's a soldier out there that's an asshole. Oh, Yeah. Sure. You know, I, I mean, I think first it's hard. I think it's hard because the problem is like <laughs> the only one having these. It, it, it's it's sense. I think most people can understand the degrees of of of, uh, you know, admiring someone's work and not admiring them as a person. I used to have a bit. It never it didn't work enough. It worked on like Reddit. So it was like, you know, we like people keep asking, can you separate the art from the artist? Um, I don't know. We, we've we've somehow figured out a way to separate the child slavery from the all our clothes. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> it is this thing of it's like it's like I I feel like so what is it that we're we're concerned about? Is it you don't want to give money to the person? Okay, that I think there's that's one argument you could make. You know, is it bad? Did I give Woody Allen uh, a tenth of a penny by listening to him on Spotify? Sure, that's a possibility. Um, uh, is it that you're you're giving them the I think the thing with art, I think one of the reasons people are very sensitive about it, as opposed to like, you know, if you were H&M, people don't seem to cancel you over that or get very upset. Because of right. That. I think it's because especially in this world of celebrity and fame and especially if you're in the arts, what do you crave? You crave success. You crave attention. You crave being loved. And so. Uh, uh, you still admiring that person or loving that person or giving them attention feels like uh, uh, valuable. Where like, you know, me listening to some old Louis C.K. interview on Conan, it doesn't really contribute to to him. Right. Uh, right. So if, if, your, if your qualm is that this person, and I don't necessarily agree with this premise either, but if your, your qualm is like, this person should no longer experience any of the kind of joy I want in my life. Uh, well, I'm not even giving him that. So I, I, I don't know. I, I just think like what I'm trying to figure out is, is I know a lot of people who, who would never say that they, you know, listen to an old Louis CK bit and they're dishonest. And I'm like, well, I don't want to be dishonest about the things that I consume. Uh, but I also think people understand these gradations. It's just a very, loud minority of people who are like you should never ever enjoy this again and it's like well yeah. you know 
John Lennon uh, hit hit Yoko and st- yeah. every everything you listen to is corrupt <laughs> and fucked up and uh, I don't to know America, why we're pretending. Come on, man! Look, look, you you, you have. Uh, what's his name? Uh, that 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 uh, that peed on people, and then people still listen to his music. You know what I'm saying? We, we all we about? joked about the pee video, <laughs> right? Lady Gaga made a song called "Do What You Want to My Body" Dude. with Art Kelly <laughs> and dance with him, and, and we do this thing where uh, Lady Gaga issues an apology and we move on, and it's more like it's it's more like. Yeah, but we all, whenever we get mad at people, it's just like we never look in the mirror and go like, oh, I suck too. Right. And that's what should be concerned. It's like you should look in the mirror and go, oh, I knew R. Kelly did these things, and I didn't care. And that's on me. And that's everyone should have that conversation with themselves rather than trying to, what, cancel Lady Gaga yeah. when I have it on my playlist? Yeah. And fuck me. Yeah, yeah. Everyone needs to start focusing on their own fucking shit. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, yeah, and, and and it's like the reason. And another reason I brought this up too is because I read an article today and actually posted on the uh, the MHOG um, uh, Facebook, and I put I put wow, and then dot dot dot, and I put questions or you know thoughts, and it basically what it was is you know the big thing that happened in the in the Capitol where all the crazy people went over there and did all the things that they were doing. Well, one guy happened to have a uh, patch on his shirt. Or on his vest, and it was of the Punisher, like the little logo, the skull logo. And now sure. people are trying to force Marvel to retire the Punisher because of that one dude. That's like, wild. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? One asshole comes out and does all this stuff, and then you're gonna cause the comic book character that's been around for like 60 years to go away? Any, anything anybody can do. To be a thorn in someone's side for at least fifteen minutes is what they're going to do. It's so crazy. Absolutely. I mean, but isn't the head? I thought like part of the controversy isn't like the head of Marvel currently like a pretty strong conservative. Yeah, I believe so. Probably. He was probably he was probably you know said he probably gave him that <laughs> idea. Well, it was crazy because like I'm reading this stuff and I'm going, guys. I, I mean, just. It's the Punisher. This is what the Punisher was about. He was about, he was a military guy whose family was murdered. So he's going back to avenge his family and get rid of the corrupt politicians. Hello? <laughs> what? And then now you want to ban him because some guy was wearing, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't understand people these days, man. I'm, I'm getting too old, I think. <laughs> I, I think that's what it is. So much material to work with is what I think we're trying to Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. It just keeps coming at you. <laughs> And you have so much to pick from. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, my hope is that, first of all, it's so tough, because when you talk about these things, there are some people who it's like, yeah, I do think they probably should lose their economic advantages or quote-unquote canceled. Uh, But I I do think eventually you'll see kind of smaller subgroups break into fights because they start canceling each other. Or, like, we, we saw... Uh, there, there was a comedian um, who got in trouble for an old sketch that came out last year. And, you know, all of a sudden there was all this infighting in what I would describe as a very liberal progressive group. And it's like, you know, I'm sure a bunch of them walked away from that kind of going like, mm, maybe this, you know, dog piling on 
and flipping out because of an old thing isn't isn't a great system. I think there there could come a day where we all get in trouble for something and we'll realize there's only 10 people left who are like, you know, flipping out for these things. And we'll be like, oh, we don't have to listen to these 10 people. Well, I can tell you what, if anybody ever went back and listened to any of our past shows, we're all, we'll never be able to run for anything, any of kind course, of quality, nothing. They will come up with that technology. You know, we're, we're, what, two years away from them being able to download, go through every podcast and pull out words and, I, I think there was a, one comedian friend I have named Matt Moran, and he said like something about if 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 your group chat getting leaked wouldn't end your life, you're not a real comedian. And it's like, <laughs> I, yeah, I've I've several group chats with friends where if they leaked, I mean, I I don't know what would happen, but like <laughs> most people, that's the case. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, uh, maybe there will be a mass leak one day, and we'll all just have to give each other a little bit more breathing room. I, uh, I think that would probably be the best. It's like it's everybody would just put their shit out on the table and go, look, none of us are good. Look, we're all assholes in some aspect of the world. Just fucking chill out. You know what I mean? I'm like, God, come on. I'm an angel, bro. Yeah, you're a real angel. I got recordings of you being an angel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, it's true, man. And, and, like, and that's why we like to do our show is because we really – we we we're, we kind of just put it all out there. I mean, we're not trying to be somebody different. We're just normal people, you know. And and like we just am, like I really to... don't like me, man. I'm always trying to be somebody. I different. know, but I yeah, but that... you know, pirates don't count. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but you know, and 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 that's why when we get people like you or yourself on the show and and all that stuff, we like to we like to of course talk about the things you're doing but we also like to have you guys talk about things you like to do you know what i mean like just be yourself that kind of stuff and and it's yeah. it's it's well, more freeing you know there is there is something i need to ask you about your career absolutely this is very important here goes people uh, especially is... since uh, uh my uh my mother read your your thing she was like oh and i said i you know i had it pulled up and she was scanning past the table go oh he was on blue bloods <laughs> all right okay so I my was... question is uh-huh uh it said uh something about you you played a waiter on blue so, bloods well okay so here's the truth so that's i i have a joke where i say i played a waiter on uh, but i did i played something equally small but the joke is a lot funnier <laughs> if I'm a waiter. I played because then I say to prepare for the role, I actually became a waiter for 12 years. <laughs> now I I played a waiter on other shows, so I figured I could conflate the two. But I on Blue Bloods, I was in three episodes of Blue Bloods. I played reporter number two, and okay. uh, I would ask Tom Selleck a question, and he would he would either ignore me. Or one time he went, excuse me, <laughs> and left. Man, fucking well, Magnum P.I. was like pissed. Yeah, is it on purpose that you're playing a siren in the background? Right I was now? I was yeah. about to say yeah. that, dude. That was perfect timing. Because I, I guess my other question was, at any point in time, did he try to sell you a reverse mortgage? Because <laughs> that sucker is on the goddamn television pumping <laughs> reverse mortgages to old people like constantly. He's making bank. I think he. I saw him. Uh, he was in the news. He like left a thousand dollar tip for a waiter or something. Wow. So this, dude's, this dude's making bank. 
Um, he, he, I think honestly, he, directed, he probably thought it was a 10. He's getting up there. Sure, sure. He di- I yeah. think he directed my episode. I think he, uh, my episode, he, um, they had to change the camera angles because his, his back hurt and they had to like figure out a way to hide him walking. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, because the actor who plays his father on that show, his name is Len Carew. And in real life, he's only six years older than Tom Selleck. No shit. Um, yeah. So Tom's Tom's like he's playing young on that show, and he is not young on that show. Uh, <laughs> now, now, without getting too you know controversial or, or anything, like, did he seem like a nice guy? So he listen for the the amount of like work he has to do for that show. He was perfectly pleasant. Uh, he was willing to take a picture with me. Oh, very uh, cool. oh, nice. Luckily, yeah, someone else asked for the picture first. And then I saw it as my room to get in. But like those shows, I've only done a couple of those shows with like the lead of the show. They're so busy. They had to memorize so much for that day. So much is riding on them being perfect. And then they have to run off and shoot a promo or do an interview that uh, when someone is just not a dick, that's enough to, for me in my mind, to know that they're, they're decent people. Right, Even when someone's cool. on a dick, you know, I hear stories, and when you're a performer, you you really understand, like, the amount of pressure they're under. Um, they don't have time for pleasantries always, or they just have so sure. much to deal with. And I've dealt with a couple of people who were, who were cunts, um, mm-hmm. uh, but Tom Selleck was definitely definitely a nice one. Nice. Now, are, are you, when you get a chance, do you like to, are you the... Uh... The green M&M in the green room guy? I mean, are you that guy at any time? Or What does that mean? You know, like, you, know, you, know, you, want, you want a bowl of fucking M&Ms, like but you I only want, want green? I want yellow gummy bears. Oh, uh, no. I mean, I, I, could see, I could see how it happens. I could okay. see how you slip into that. And it's like, it's a tough thing where it's like, you're so disrespected at so many different, like, the the way that I've allowed myself to be treated at comedy clubs or when I'm touring, uh, that you you get to a place where like when you have the power, you want to wield it, or sure. or like sometimes they they were screwing you over in different ways. They fucked you over on your room, mm-hmm. uh, you know your 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 place was dirty or there were mice. So then you go to the green room and you're like, you know what? I'm not being nice. I want this for dinner. And maybe they fucked you a different way. So I think it's going to be a lifelong struggle. Luckily, I'm a, a man in therapy. And you hope you surround <laughs> yourself with friends who call you out on that bullshit. But um, I, I think it's a, it, if you succeed in life, it is a lifelong struggle to be nice because you're in a lot of circumstances that are going to raise. As you know, you guys are, yeah, are sure. up. You, you just are in so many circumstances where where. You you have it up to here, and it's and uh, I hope I hope I remain nice. I will try to be. <laughs> you know, uh, so how, oh, I'm wait, sorry. Wait. I was gonna say, you know, we we uh, the podcast has been in uh, a few movies, and the only the only TV show we've ever dealt with was uh, Scream, but we weren't in the actual show. We were uh, one of our members was a um, a consultant on there for podcasting, but uh, uh, but we've been in a couple movies uh, and. Uh, I have two two really good stories. One was um, Mike Epps. 
uh, we were in a film with him and we were, it was set up to be like a, a comic book convention. Actually, both the films that we were in were set up to be comic book conventions, but, uh, and, uh, we were just we're typecast. Yeah. We're typecast as comic book convention guys. Uh, <laughs> so we're just hanging out. And, uh, the first thing is he walks past us and he goes, what's up guys. Y'all got some weed. I was like, no, I don't have any weed, man. I'm sorry. And he walks past. Well, later, and, and we're we're breaking down, and not breaking down and leaving, but it was like at the end of the day or whatever, and we're all talking to the other guys, uh, the other artists and stuff in the in the area. Well, here he comes. He comes walking up behind us, and he starts talking to us, and he's like, man, did y'all draw that? He's like pointing at the other guys, the, the artist friend of ours, his stuff, and uh, uh, I think it was Ted Wally at the time that he was doing it. And uh, Ted was like, yeah, dude, this is all my, this is my comic book. You know, I did all this stuff. And he goes, oh, that's cool. And then uh, one of our other friends <laughs> walks up and says, hey. My my wife has got you on her list. You want can can you give me his phone up your phone number? And he goes what? He goes you know the list of the people that she can fuck. <laughs> and he just he got look dude he got so like flustered. He was like man y'all I never heard no shit like that before in my whole life. <laughs> and he just kind of shook his head and walked off. That was so funny. I think it's just funny because like even if you're on a list. That doesn't mean that like you have to hunt down the person yeah. for your wife. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it was it was it was him. Preston was just being a, you know being funny with him, and uh, uh, he he just it was great. He was really nice. He was a cool guy. Um, but the other two guys that we we were in um, Jalen Jay and uh, the reboot Jay and Silent Bob reboot. We were actually in that oh, film. Sweet. Yeah, and we got to hang out with uh, Kevin Smith and uh, Jason Mewes because the cool part about it was they were actually when they were filming. Um, Muse had to use my seat where my booth, so he was sitting there right next to my wife, and then of course Kevin Smith was in the same area, so we talked to them for a good, you know, thirty minutes of what they were doing and stuff. And very nice people, man. Oh, uh, sure. It's it's very cool when you meet people in 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 the industry that, that you are respect, actually, like you said, that can be nice that you respect. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and I think I think that's that makes a world of difference. It gives you like a, a little bit of confidence in what you're doing too. It's like, wow, I can still be a nice guy and still do this. Right. You know, yeah. I think this part of it, it's just like how, how thin are you? Are you being stretched? And I think like a lot of times I, I listened to something. It was Neil Brennan talking about like directing something that Will Smith was in. And it's just like, you know, Will Smith's schedule is just so insane that like if he, or, or like, or for example, there was always a rumor that when, when Robert De Niro's on set, they say to everyone like don't make eye contact right with de niro and like i bet you there I, I remember here's a good story is i i did this uh it was like it was a web series but it was like a high budget on location judd judd hirsch uh, oh wow that. nice nice and um i had this scene where it was very jewish it was kind of religious jewish thing and i was at the the western wall i was like saying goodbye to my father putting my hand on the wall uh, you know, saying a prayer to him, and it was very emotional. And and sure. I, I'm not, I, I don't go there immediately. I have to really focus and get to that place. And so I'm like waiting in between takes, trying to like find that feeling, all the all that acting shit. And this extra <laughs> comes up, and he's like, "Wow, you're tall. Um, how tall are you?" <laughs> and like, you know, we're about to shoot this thing, and it's important that I do well. I want to look. I want to be good on the camera for my career, <laughs> for the project. And he keeps talking like, "Do you like, you know, do you ever hit your head on things?" And, <laughs> and 
just kept talking to me, and I'm not a I'm not good at confrontation. I mean, that's something I have to work on. But I went over to to you know the the AD or whatever, and I was I had to say like, could you you know ask kind of the extras not to to talk to me? Essentially, that's what I did. <laughs> and you know, I'm sure there's plenty of people who could be like, what a dick, or like, uh, it's called <laughs> acting, and it's like, listen, I don't know what to tell you. I have to focus in this moment. Sure. Get chatting about my height, but I could see from that person's perspective, or I could see the the ad being like, um, extras, do not talk to myself, <laughs> and said, you know what, tell them all not to make eye contact with me. Yeah. Well, all I know is I met I met uh, what's his name, freaking uh, Blue Bloods guy, uh, Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck. Thank you. I met him briefly one time. Apparently, he was very nice until I brought up Jesse Stone which was a character he played in quite a few movies. Apparently, uh, somewhere in that was a, sh- was a very sore subject that he must have thought I knew about. <laughs> oh, wow. And uh, it was at, a, it was at a, a convention a long time ago. And he just, he gave me that, that look, you know, like he does on Blue Bloods, where he just, when he's overlooking the dinner table <laughs> angrily at everybody, he gave me that look and just went, <sighs> Oh my God! That would have made me shit my pants. <laughs> I was so I was I said I didn't mean to. He goes, we're done. I was like, okay, sorry. My bad. That was it. I was like, wow. I just because I really liked those movies he was in. So maybe he thought, who knows? Maybe he had a, a bad day that day. Maybe that conversation came up earlier, maybe that week, and he was like, this guy was sent here to fuck with me, right now. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, you see every time Harrison Ford talks about, I don't know, I was never a Star Wars guy, but every time Harrison Ford talks about it, he seems to like kind of hate it. He's disgusted by it. Yeah. He, he definitely was supposed, he wanted to be killed in that last movie he was in because he didn't want the character to come back. Um, because same, same thing with Indiana Jones, he doesn't want to talk about that either. He's like, I'm yeah. still done with this. Yeah, but My he's God, doing another movie. But he's still doing another yeah. movie. He's doing Indiana Jones well, Five. Him money. What I mean, what's he gonna do? He's like, you know, he's he crashed his airplane. He shouldn't be flying. <laughs> well, this is the thing: know? is is Indy Indy Four the the Crystal Skull movie was actually supposed to be his last one. He was actually yeah. supposed to you know give the hat and whip over to his son quote unquote sure. mutt which was played by uh what the fuck is Shia yeah and uh he was like i'm not giving him that that's what he that's what he said no <laughs> so when when the man who plays indiana jones tells the guy who is supposed to be the next indy no well, i guess you fucked you know yeah yeah wow. but um but uh one one but of, amazing and i I was saying, I've said this before on the show as uh, we were talking about, you know, Rum meeting, uh, oh God, I was I always want to say Magnum P.I. Um, uh, Tom Selleck. Yeah, at the show and stuff. Well, I met one guy that I was, you know, super excited to meet too, and he was a complete asshole as well, which was uh, Lou Ferrigno. Um, oh, really? God, what an asshole. Um, and, and I'll say that to his face because he probably wouldn't hear me. Um but, but oh, sorry for deaf people, but they can't hear me either. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So like, he, I walked up to the his table and in, in his place, you know, and nobody was there, you know, nobody was standing there. So I was just like, hey, I just wanted to say, you know, thank you for whatever, you know, all the all the years of watching your show and this and that. I think it was cool. And the only thing the man could tell me was two for forty. 
talking about his pictures. Two for 40. I was like, I, I don't, I'm not here to buy a picture, man. I'm just talking to you, you know? Nobody else is around your table. Nobody wants you. Nobody cares. Um, I just wanted to say, well, you know. If you said that, that's probably what pissed him off. He could have hulked out on well, your I, I did. I didn't say that. I'm just thinking that. Yeah. I was thinking that, you know? It's like, man, you know? And then he just kept on and on about two for 40. And I'm like, okay, I'll see you later. Well, tell me, tell me what's going on for 2021 with you. What do you have planned? What's coming up for you? I know, uh, hopefully, the dumpster fire's done and we can slowly start to progress into something amazing. Uh, and I know you've got to have some stuff coming up. I know it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I got, I mean, I got a lot of zooms still. Um, I'm, uh, zoom, zoom, zoom. I have like some outdoor shows. I think I have an outdoor show in New Jersey. I'm auditioning again for a lot of stuff. Sweet. But, but uh, you know, right now it is a little bit of a holding pattern where I'm just like, when am I getting this vaccine? Um, and the moment I do, like, the question is, will things reopen in New York? Will there be indoor shows? Will people be into people doing those indoor shows? Or will they try to come a after you on fucking social media? Right. Um, so it's a, it's a tough time. So I'm just trying to be really productive. I, I went to... Um, Sam Ash today to buy all my podcasting equipment for nice. an idea I have. Um, I, I I'm with a new manager and and they uh, awesome I, podcast is next on the docket. Auditioning, just trying to write stand up, man. I'm just trying to write stand up. So if I have to do another outdoor special, I'll do it fucking again. Yeah, uh, but I would like to be headlining on the road as soon as it is fucking possible. And uh, the the special that I recorded, it really was a topical thing. There was only a couple of my like, you know, um, uh, go to material, and I feel very close to doing that first real hour of like, this is who I am. Uh, here are my divorce jokes. Here are my Italian jokes that I've worked <laughs> on for five years. I want to like fucking burn that material and uh, uh, start working on the next hour. Oh, that's great, man. I think you got you're gonna have an amazing year for sure. Twenty twenty is gonna be nothing but sunshine for you, bro. I appreciate it. Well, it was really good to talk to you guys. Thanks and you too. And look, man, look, if you have any questions or anything about podcasting that we could uh, help you out with, you just hit me up, dude. I have hey. no problem we have no problems with helping you out with that stuff, dude. Anytime. I appreciate it, guys. It means a lot. Yeah. Well, man, look, again, thank you so much for doing the show and you have to come back. Anytime. That sounds like I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to to talking with you about all your new projects that you're going to be coming up with, and uh, and I'm I'm anxious to 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 hear your uh, your podcast. Yeah, fuck yeah! I'll let you know when it's out. Yeah, we're excited, it's be man. Awesome. Well, guys, uh, thank you again for listening to us. I was your host, Wayne. I am Rum. I'm. John Marco Serezi, stand-up comedian. And, uh, <laughs> and remember, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to keep it, keep it, keep it up!
That's it. Get the-